Hey listeners, this is Matt. If you've been enjoying Distinct Poplar and would like to support it, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews go a long way to helping us find new listeners and increasing exposure, and I truly appreciate it. Welcome to Distinct Poplar, a twice-monthly audio fiction series written and narrated by Matt Herzberg from www.distinctpoplar.com. This is episode 18 of series 1, Shadow Puppets. Bree's apartment was a small and cramped one-bedroom, with a fold-out couch in the living room that was already fully extended, messy, and unmade. The bedding, the many glasses and plates littering the surrounding side tables, the piles of women's clothing covering every other available chair, all of it showed that this is where Bree's mom slept, the woman that Chellen was supposed to beat up, somehow. The single bedroom of the apartment therefore belonged to Bree, who retreated to it quickly. Expecting Chellen to follow, there was no tour given of her living space because, quite frankly, there didn't need to be. The small apartment could be surmised in one glance. There were no surprises here. Chellen saw a tiny cramped kitchen with a minuscule amount of counter space which consisted of flimsy linoleum that peeled from its surface like a snake sloughing its skin. There was old stained deck furniture to serve as a kitchen table and chairs, though every available inch of their surfaces was filled with stacks of unopened bills and junk mail. Also, there was only a single window that was struck into the cracking, water-stained drywall like a porthole on an old sailing vessel. What little light it shared from the outside world was filtered through dirty, cracked glass that cast the room in a dismal shadow. When Chellen asked to use the bathroom, she found it impossibly small, practically claustrophobic, so much that she couldn't even extend her arms to their full length without knocking into something. The smell of old, stale cigarettes all but oozed from the drab and muted flower-print wallpaper that surrounded her on all sides. The toilet itself was so filthy that Chellen had thought better about sitting upon it, at least until she located some cleaning products under the sink, which appeared as though they had never been used, not even once. 
It was in this moment that Chellen debated whether or not she was prepared to clean Bree's toilet, just so she herself could use it, which she very much needed to do. Though it was filthy, the prospect of cleaning it versus braving the trek past Melga in the hallway and venturing back into the nameless neighborhood, searching for another bathroom, seemed more worthwhile at this point. To accomplish this task, Chellen shook bleach powder out of an old dented can wrapped in white paper packaging and struck with the image of an emerald carvalax. The carvalax was a mythological bird creature, typically portrayed as being short and standing upright with a stooped forward posture. On the can, it was further cartoonified with an oversized beak and a surrounding aura of tail feathers. What once was a magnificent creature of legend and mystery now stood as an icon of everyday bathroom cleanliness. Dust of Carvalax, the brand name read in large emerald letters that wound around the surface of the container. The stuff transformed before her very eyes from wintergreen granules to lime green superfoam, with just a tiny bit of water to start the process. Wiping it clean with an excessive amount of toilet paper, as there didn't appear to be anything else available. The parts Chellen focused on were the parts she had to touch, and nothing more. The rest of it remained stained with a film of disgusting yellow and brown, with matted clumps of long hair, where the dust of Carvalax had been foamed with water and scrubbed left a pristine white surface in its wake. The air smelled of chalk and spearmint, and Chellen found herself purposely breathing in the powdered chemical for the smell, even though she knew that she shouldn't. There were city bugs in Bree's apartment, plenty of them. Those ugly brown insects with a pair of antennae at each end, and about a thousand legs that looked like thin, dirty hairs when the bugs moved. And moved they did. Challen saw them scurry in and out of the faucet heads, and across the ceilings of each and every part of the apartment. Even though they were common enough to the city, Chellen wasn't used to seeing so many of the ugly bugs. Sure, every home had at least an occasional one or two, but Chellen could not get over how many of the truly disgusting insects there were at any one time. She was afraid to count. Just looking at them made her skin crawl. The very thought of examining them further sickened her. It was bad enough when she found one climbing out of the bathroom faucet as she sat and urinated in the claustrophobic bathroom, a sense of anxiety combing over her as she realized there was nowhere for her to go should the disgusting insect start making its way towards her. And then she thought, what if there was one of those things in the toilet bowl right now? Her skin went cold at the thought of a city bug skidding around down there. The thought of those wisping thin legs on her bare skin made Chellen squirm. With so many of them scurrying everywhere and always just out of reach, it was a bit more than Chellen could handle. 
and yet Bree seemed not to notice. Or maybe it was just that she'd lived here long enough and had found a way to push them from her mind. Chellin thought she might be sick and made sure her backpack was securely closed and tightly clutched to her chest at all times. So, where's your mom? Chellin ventured as she stood in Bree's bedroom, watching the girl unpack her school things. Chellin was now all too eager to get this over with, so she could leave this place as soon as possible. But what was she so eager to do exactly? Fight Bree's mom? That seemed ridiculous. What seemed more likely was that Chellin would have to find a way to explain to Bree that her mom wasn't trying to... Wait a moment, she thought to herself, pumping the mental brakes of her anxiety-ridden anticipation machine. What was Bree's mom supposedly doing to her daughter again? Had Bree even said anything? Anything specific? Oh, she'll be home soon from work, said Bree. Then she added, well, she's supposed to be. The younger girl turned from her things to face Chellin and gave her a look of hopeful optimism. I'm really glad that you're here, she had said, as she picked up the locket that had caught Chellin's attention from earlier when they were at the bottom of the empty pool. Now it caught Chellin's eye once more so effortlessly as it was put safely back into Bree's pocket. Shall we do some homework until she arrives? asked Bree. Chellin nodded affirmatively, but there was a knot forming in her stomach. She came here to witness what Bree's mom was doing to her daughter, but at this point, Chellin severely doubted anything was actually happening outside of Bree's abject loneliness. Getting Chellin to come home with her was most likely a cry for help, when one took into account the conditions that the younger girl had to live and deal with. So Chellin decided to stick it out, just a little bit longer at least. While the younger girl unpacked her school things, Chellen casually looked around marveling at the vast collection of stuff that Bree had found, collected, and displayed around her personal space. Her eyes scanned the walls and surfaces around her, discovering that nearly every available space was taken up by a particularly special found item from Bree's school-side scavenger hunts. Everywhere she looked, there were impossibly old things, and Chellen seemed to love all of them as they were discovered. There were old mangled umbrellas, blocky vintage staplers, and pieces of old desktops engraved with crude pictures and bad language. There were antique school books on her bookshelf, old pairs of eyeglasses on the simple nightstand next to her bed. There were boxes filled with vintage school scissors, rulers, yardsticks, and antique pens complete with their own small metal nibs. Chellen also found old metal doorknobs struck with tiny lettering that said, Kagger Elementary Public School, City of Distinct Poplar. 
she noticed weird grinder machines with pencils stuck in them. She found smooth wooden boxes filled with chewed up erasers, dried glue sticks, and broken pieces of chalk. Decorating the walls of Bree's bedroom were old flashcards, calligraphy samples, and strange scientific diagrams of human anatomy, all of it on wrinkled yellow paper, poorly preserved and damaged from years of use and eroded by time. There were also very strange objects that Chellen had never seen before of which Brie had carefully set and arranged around the room, like practice installations for the distinct Poplar Historical Society. One such item was a thin wooden handle about the length of a book that had five wire prongs extending out from it, which then each held a piece of chalk at their tips. If Chellen had picked it up and gripped the wooden handle in her hands, the prongs would jut out between her fingers like chalk-tipped claws. Another item of note was a wooden tablet with a handle at the bottom like a fan or paddle. Upon it were leaves of paper that had what appeared to be math equations and instructions written in fancy but faded black ink. Around the edges was a frame of bone that secured the paper in place. But of all the strange unknown things in the room, there was one in particular that caught Chellen's eye above all others. It was sitting on the very top of Bree's dresser, a large metal box with a semi-transparent surface of thick plastic. When looking at it top-down, Chellen could see a large fixed light bulb under a thin transparent piece of plastic. Chellen imagined that the bulb could get so bright that it would make the entire bedroom glow, if it were ever able to be turned on. From the side of this wonderful contraption was a long-angled metal arm. It jutted straight up and out from the large metal box and hung over the surface. The end of the arm was comprised of what appeared to be a box with two large plastic lenses, which seemed as though they could be angled and repositioned in a multitude of ways. It was then that Bree noticed Chellen's intense curiosity with the device and decided to comment about it. You know, for someone who's not allowed to use technology stuff, you sure are really into it. The comment was sobering, as Chellen soon realized that she had been lost in her examination of this thing, whatever it was. She laughed it off without looking directly at the younger girl and responded without diverting her focus from the strange machine. This is old technology, so it's okay, Chellen corrected. It's new technology we are forbidden from using. Then the contraption suddenly came to life. There was a loud click followed by the whirring sound of a fan from the other side of the large metal box. Chellen all but jumped backwards as she had been standing so close to it that her face was nearly pressed up against the surface. The bulb began to illuminate and Chellen was correct in her initial assessment that it was indeed very bright. 
She had to blink several times over to make sure she wasn't blinded. When she closed her eyelids, there were explosions of sparks that danced in circles. She had to rub her eyes to make them go away. While recovering from the blast of light, she discovered that it was also starting to get hot as waves of warm air began to fill the room, presumably by way of the fan, which sputtered and struggled from the other side of the metal box in effort to vent the contraption of its heat. The most magnificent part of the thing, however, was how the light was captured by the lenses at the box hanging above the overhead extending arm. Then the light was projected in a large magnified square on one of Bree's walls. Once that happened, Bree brought her hands up in front of the projected light and began making shadow puppets. Her first one started with a fist and two slightly raised fingers alongside her extended thumb. What appeared on the wall was the image of a dog's head, which spoke as Bree made an awkwardly infused, high-pitched voice. Hey, Chellen, my name is Zigzugzooey. Chellen laughed at the creature that Bree had made and decided to try her own. She made her hand flat with her palm out and split her fingers like the mouth of a diamond-headed beast. She moved the mouth like it was talking and answered back. Zigzugzooey, eh? Well, call me Ravipatrix, and I'm gonna eat you. Chellen absently wiped a few beads of sweat from her brow with the back of her other hand. The warm air from the light projection machine was heating up the room, the side fan working overtime as it wheezed and sputtered in futility. Bree had an answer to Chellen's simple shadow puppet, which was an even more elaborate shadow puppet. For the second one, she used both of her hands connected by the thumbs and splayed out her fingers. On the wall, the dog transformed into a bird, spreading and flapping its wings. Rava Patrick's can't eat what she can't catch. Now I am Floppy Flippy the bird. Bree's voice was slightly more shrill and off-putting than the first time she had used it. Chellen didn't know how to make a better or different shadow puppet, so she stuck with the one that she already had. Rava Patrick's doesn't think that's very fair. Chellen tried to turn her shadow puppet's mouth into a frown by curling her fingers inward, but it didn't work out so well. And what happened to Zooey? she asked. On the wall, Bree's next shadow puppet was formed by her stepping fully into the projection and placing her hands on top of her head. Bringing them together and curving index finger and thumbs, Bree successfully formed what appeared to be the body and head of a monkey. The eyes of the face were animated by her fingers and somehow managed to appear as if they were looking around the room with curiosity. Chellen was beside herself with amazement at Bree's skill with this newest display. This shadow puppet was way more elaborate than her two others, and was like nothing Chellen had ever seen before.
That's incredible, she announced, stepping ahead of Bree to see it all better. Mesmerized by the shadow puppet, she couldn't look away and asked, How are you doing that? For Bree's fingers seemed to shift completely into the form of the shadow puppet, seamlessly animated. The monkey's shadow puppet spoke, but not with Bree's voice. I may take many forms, and I may hide behind many names. It was not her own anymore, and had been replaced by something shrill and high-pitched that made all of the little hairs on Chellen's neck stand on end. Bad children need to be punished, shouted the shadow puppet. It seemed so much more fluid and cohesive now, instead of a crude creation of human fingers. Bad children need to be punished, it said, again as its eyes stopped floating around the room, focused directly on Chellen. You need to be punished. If you've been enjoying Distinct Poplar, we would love to hear about it. Please consider rating and reviewing us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you found our stories. Positive reviews go a long way to helping us find new listeners, and we truly appreciate it. You've been listening to Series 1, Episode 18, Shadow Puppets, written and narrated by Matt Herzberg and copyright Wednesday, October 17th. 2018. The music for this episode is by Dan Bowden, Audionautics, and Doug Maxwell. For more stories like this one, as well as ebooks and more information about the city that forgot to stay clean, check us out online at www.distinctpoplar.com or through our social media. Just search for Distinct Poplar on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Stop by. Say hello.